You're listening to The Outspoken Bible, a podcast from Scottish Bible Society with Fiona Stewart, Neil Glover and Jen Robertson. Hello and welcome to Season 4, Episode 21 of The Outspoken Bible. I'm Fiona Stewart. I'm here with Neil Glover and Jen Robertson. Hello. Hi. Hello. That was a lovely response. We're getting there, aren't we, in the whole thing we'd speak? It was well-timed. It was well-timed. It was lovely. Nice sense of timing. Uh, now, folks, we're still keen to hear from uh, you about how you're getting on with the stories of light and life. So if you have maybe shared those short films or if you found them uplifting or challenging, um, please do get in touch with us. Tell us how you're getting on. If you haven't seen the films, um, remember they are the testimonies from across Scotland and monologues from John's Gospel, um, which are p- performed by me. Um, you can check them out and you can find them at www.scottish.bible forward slash light and life forward slash stories. They're all available to watch, share, download. And uh, of course, if you'd like to get in touch with us, then as ever, the email address is outspoken at scottishbiblesociety.org. A lot of words in that, isn't it? <laughs> Did you feel stranded in a, an island of words then, that you had to read out there? Well, I felt stranded in an island that was in a sea of words, I felt. <laughs> Although I did write the sea of words, so there you go. We have had an email, though, from John Hodge, who is um, known to me. We've just, before we started recording, been talking randomly about um, people who are lawyers. And uh, John Hodge is, is a lawyer, so I first encountered him through Lawyers Christian Fellowship. Oh. Uh, but he also knows a friend of yours, Neil Colin McNeil. Yes, yes, I yeah. was in Venture Scouts with him. There you go. I was taking a, taking a punt there by assuming you might, it would have been a bit awkward if you hadn't remembered who he was. Anyway, John was saying he came across the podcast um, and he and his wife Christine have been listening to it. They started listening during the series on Ezra and then they've listened to most of the John ones and uh, they're currently in Brisbane, Australia or at time of writing, they were in Brisbane, Australia and whilst doing their daughter's ironing, they've been reflecting <laughs> <laughs> on their return to Scotland and uh, the phrase that John used, he said, as we return to church restructuring, we take with us the need to be Jesus-centred and not to be tied up in preserving religion. And John adds mm. that it is back to stacking the chairs at New Haven next week, which I think is probably now by the time this goes out. And also, I hope writing, because the most recent place I encountered him was at a writing workshop. Oh, really? He's, yeah, yeah, he's a very good writer. He's a nice guy. I, I know him. He, has a, he sometimes comes up to this part of the world with Christine. There you go. Well, hello to John and Christine. Thank you for getting in touch. And uh, always good to hear. And, and good, actually, isn't it, to hear how what we're talking about, yeah. which can feel a bit esoteric, has a has a relevance, a real relevance into into the nitty gritty of the New Haven situation or wherever you are when you're where you're listening. Uh, now today we're talking about John chapter twenty. That is on page sixty one of Light and Life Gospel. It's only one page this week, oh. uh, and it's a chapter which begins early on the darkest of mornings with an unsettling discovery and ends with a spirit filled breath of life. Before that, though, covers up. Glover's Off is a bit different this week because really it's a question to the two of you and it comes from another podcast who are doing who did something very similar to what we are doing so it's the Nomad podcast and I should say a little bit about Nomad it it, it began life I think something like 10 years ago maybe with a group of Christians who were exploring their faith with all sorts of questions but gradually has become more people who to use their phrase are un- going through a deconstruction journey and and ending up in some very different places. But they decided, three of them, uh, to go and reread John's gospel. And I thought, oh, that's what we're doing. So I'll listen to that. And it was a very, very different conversation. They they hadn't enjoyed it. They 
they had they all three of them had come in in very very um, immersive environments where the Bible was a huge part of their early experience of of Christian faith and their young adult experience, and and they had left it. One guy said, "I haven't read the Bible since um, 2017, and the reason I know that is that's the last time I preached." Um, another person said, "I really just wasn't looking forward to this," and at the end of it said, "And I don't think I'll be reading the Bible again." They 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 didn't enjoy John. They found it rambling, disconnected. There was a little bit that they really not John itself, but the history of John that they connected with, and and I wanted to ask you the question: How how does that happen, and how do we help that not happen potentially? Because for them, the Bible had been this place of you should read it. Good for you. You're a person who reads the Bible. You know all the answers. You've cracked the code. Now they've left that. It felt that when they opened the Bible again, that whole world came back to them. So my my question, and it really is a question directed to lots of people who I speak to who who just find the Bible so difficult, particularly if it was something they used to read all the time. How do you reconnect with the Bible? Jen, can I just say for the listeners' benefit, Jen was just, she was looking cherubic. She was kind of looking up into the, into the air as she got I was like, I've ever That's been that called moment of, up. That, that moment of silence was like, Jen looks like she's got some sort of revelation coming. Never been called cherubic. <laughs> Maybe when I was three months old. Um, I, I think I'm, I, I was really silent and wondering about that question because I was just trying to think, how do you, how do I within a very short space of time, describe my, you know, I'm 54, but I didn't really engage with the Bible for the first decade. So my, my, my last 40 years of engaging with the Bible. And it's interesting to use the word deconstruction because I I would say there had to come, there did come in my life, time in my life when I was about 30, I would say when I had to, I was really probably on the cusp of what those guys have got, the road they've gone down. Like I, I was just like I don't, I don't think the Bible connects in my life. Um, it just seems to clash so much with my experience of and and my my worldview. And actually, I would think significantly. I went to LICC in London for a kind of culture thing. I can't remember what it was called, but it was really significant because so the toolkit. I, the toolkit, yeah. And I realized See, I know more about what you've done in your life than you. <laughs> <laughs> I realized that week. That there was, I, I understood my culture better. It was a whole analysis of post postmodernity and stuff, and um, I real I, I realized why the Bible clashed with the world I was living in, and that was the start of a de- yeah deconstruction or just just understanding the Bible in the situation I was in. That sounds a bit woolly, but it was it was really rooted in reality, and that was that really helped me. And then I think other things have been a not just limiting my reading or my conversations with people to people who think the same as me or have the same theology as me and and that broadened my view of how you can engage with the Bible. But I think at the heart of it is that when I was a teenager, um, you couldn't doubt, question or answer wrongly (laughs) in in Bible conversations and Bible groups about the Bible. And that and although there was lots of rich things that happened for me as a teenager around the Bible, that that was one of the negative things. And I and I, I my concern would be for these people and and what I need in my life. And I think I need a space for question, doubt, and really responding to the Bible as how we feel, not how we think we should feel. 
Yeah, so I suppose that, so the things I would have said, I, I, there were a couple of things jumped immediately to mind when I knew you were going to ask this. One is, um, interestingly, I think my grounding in scripture as a teenager was a, a very holistic one. So I, I came to faith, actually, I can't pinpoint it, but I came to faith and it was round about the question of the resurrection, actually, and and the, the, the realisation that if this was true, then that it that is a game changer isn't it for everything mm. so there was a kind of logic to some of that but but that all came in the context of being part of a church where the whole story of scripture was 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 preached and, and you know and some of that's really troublesome stuff mm-hmm. there's some troublesome stuff in that old testament history sections and and, and it's hard to know how much space there was for questioning and doubt but nonetheless there was definitely a a contextualization of this being a whole story of God and a whole story of people that then impacted me as an individual person. So there's been something about the framing of that, that, that I think when I approach scripture, it gives me an ability to ho- hold it within that framework. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. To yeah, that? yeah. So, so that's the kind of the, the thinking thing. The other thing, and it's interesting, Jen, you talking about uh, LICC. I think for me, so I worked for Scripture Union for a long time. So I, I used the Bible, you know, was teaching the Bible a lot. Um, I think sometimes for me, and, and this resonated because I did listen to that episode, Neil, of Nomad, and it, there was a disconnect sometimes in what I was speaking and what I was experiencing. Mm-hmm of the Bible, I would say through my 20s. I then went off to drama school where there were, I think there were three other Christians in the whole place. And nobody really, nobody in my church had heard of SU. Nobody really knew anything about Scotland. Um, suddenly I had to kind of figure out at 31, 32, it, it, am I owning this? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, because I think I spent a lot of my 20s kind of being badged under the organizations I'd been working with or people's expectation of who I was. You know, when I went into schools, I was always, the, the, you know, the professional Christian. So going into a very secular environment was yeah. very life-giving for me because it, it, it made me figure some stuff out for myself. And actually, through the following years of my 30s, which were kind of up and down in terms of professionally and all that sort of stuff, I, I, I think I just... And I come back to that verse, you know, that Simon Peter verse, but where else would we go, Lord? Mm. There's a bit of that for me. Mm. Mm-hmm. Where else am I going to go? Because <laughs> you have the words of eternal life. Do you know, I, I, there, there's something that, uh, yeah, and that, is that about, I don't know, I, I, I feel very thankful, I suppose, to the Holy Spirit for keeping a hold of me, for Father God for still being there when, yeah, I suppose that's, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. You both talked about experiences which have, you know, there, there, there were almost junction points and it could have gone one, one way or the other and it, you hung on. And, and it sounds to me like there's a common theme about honesty or, or something going on there in a place for doubt. Um, and it, it's also the fact that you, you're saying actually there was much that was valuable in the earlier experience as well as pretend, although it doesn't, you haven't alluded to negative things. How, how, do, how do we be a people who can be friends to people who want to re-engage with the Bible, but just find it so difficult and particular folks for whom it was maybe such a, a strong and even strict part of their younger lives. And when they open that page, it almost feels like they become a child again in a, not a good way. Um, how can we be friends to people I, I was in that struck place? by something that was said on that episode um and I, I can't remember the woman's name but it was the woman who was joy. talking and she she's joy and she spoke about that she found it really hard to read it afresh because she was so familiar 
And I think that can be an issue. It can be an issue for me. That, that I, I try and read a chapter, I think, yeah, but I know what this is because I've heard this preached on or I've preached on it or, you know. You know. So I, I, what struck me when she was speaking was I wonder if it's about almost kind of going for small, really, really small, deep meditation mm-hmm. type. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I, I, I'm in no position to, to, to speak I, to this woman's situation, yeah. but... I think you know. Is there something the mess- about how we approach it? Yeah. That, is is there a way to to flip that and look at so so thinking about the the world I operate in the kind of drama world? If I get stuck with a piece of writing, I think right, I'm going to go to the opposite. See what happens with that. I'm going to I'm going to mm. shift it up. I'm going to approach it from a different point of view because that will give me fresh insight and it will move my process on. I, I wonder if that can help. The kind of defamiliarize you have you have a technique to defamiliarize yourself. Yeah, I, I think it? maybe. But then I mean they they talked about trying some of that. They talked about trying different mm. translations and mm. you know. Yeah. Maybe setting yourself the challenge of reading the whole of John's Gospel when you've not looked at the Bible since 2017. That's maybe not a actually a yeah. I get why they were doing it for the context of the podcast, but maybe that wasn't for them. Was 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 almost set yourself up for failure. Yeah. I, that in the context of running, actually, because I have <laughs> I've started running again, and I'm doing Couch to 5K, and so I'm running 90 seconds, and then there three minutes so that, and I couldn't suddenly start running 25 minutes because I've not done it for yeah months. And, it's a bit it's a bit of a crass analogy but and I wondered as well if it was just another obligation so they mm-hmm. just swapped one obligation for another and that there's something about I mean I've got to be careful it says this but it doesn't tell you in the bible to read the bible every day uh-huh. you uh-huh. know and that obligation uh-huh. it says it's useful for teaching and learning uh, and it's through uh-huh. the Bible that we understand Christ, but it doesn't tell us how. Uh-huh. I, I know. And I mean, I wonder if what if they had uh, decided to do a podcast where they all read a little bit of the Bible mm. out loud together, thought about it. I don't, mm. I don't know. Yeah, they don't know. Because we've taken a year to go through John. And I'll be totally honest, there are times when I'm coming to prepare for this, where I think, oh, right, I've got to, mm, feels a bit of an obligation. And then when we actually begin to talk about yeah. it, I come a number of times I come away thinking, oh, that was so great. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, it's a really good question, Neil, and it's made me think about how I really feel about the Bible. And I I honestly can say that I feel I've been set free over the past couple of, like the past 20 years. More and more, I, I, I'm not, I don't feel the Bible weighs me down or, and I think in the past I, I used to feel... Well, when I when I use the Bible in this way in a context, because that's also I'm in, I'm in, in ministry. I got to get this right, got to get that right, got to get the point across. And I, I was just preparing for my home church on Revelation chapter five for an intergenerational gathering. Now that's a, it's a challenge, but I just loved it. I loved I loved um, uh, playing with the different imagery, exploring how we could meet Jesus better in that bit of the Bible. And I, and I think that's at the heart of it. So for me as a person. I know I'm loved by Jesus and I love him and and that's the center of my faith the bible is one of the ways that I meet with him mm. now that could sound like I've de-elevated the bible but actually I think I did de-elevate the bible I, I realized what the bible was and what it wasn't you know it was things like it's it's written it's for me, but it wasn't written to me that changes the attitude of how you approach and there's so many in that list in fact I could you know I've got a list of the things that the Bible isn't, the Bible isn't. And and that's really set me free. And so whenever I'm in reading the Bible or listening to it, I, 
my heart is because it's because in, in me I want to know Jesus better and I want other people to know Jesus better and that's just a completely different approach to it I don't know how that can help someone else if if they don't know Jesus in that way and, and that sounds kind of arrogant like I don't know how I don't know how to help someone mm-hmm. engage in the Bible if they've got a different attitude yeah it's reminding me um there used to be a really good uh, book about teaching the Bible to children. I can't remember who wrote it. And it it, it begins with talking about Psalm 1 and putting mm. your roots down. Mm-hmm. And, and it talks about the fact that what you're trying to do when you're teaching the Bible is to help people grow roots in order that they can they can pull up the water and they can bear fruit. You're not there to somehow create roots. <laughs> you're there to... Yeah, because... It, cause it, yeah. You're trying to help grow healthy trees. That's, that's you're, what you're, you're trying to do. You're not force feeding someone. Yeah, I know uh-huh. a, a, an infant who doesn't want to eat his dinner. It's a horrible experience when you're trying to force food into their mouth. But giving a gift to someone is generally a really positive experience in mm-hmm. the Bible. It's a gift. It's a gift from God who, and that doesn't mean it's easy all the time. Um, it's not easy. We know that. Uh, but it's a gift that God's given us, but written in a very different place and time to where we find ourselves. And so we have to work a bit hard on that gift. But often gifts, you have to do that. Mm. You happy, Neil? Anything you want to add in? Thank you very much. I think, you've discover, I think you've discovered a whole new podcast, Neil, on that question. A whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, genuinely worth saying at this point we would love to hear from people about their experience of that and maybe uh, their response to, to the question even um, so outspoken at scottishbiblesociety.org for that um, we've gone on Glover's off been a bit longer there but I think it's been interesting because it has led us into what we're going to be talking about really today which is John chapter 20 which as I said before is on page 61 of Light and Life now when we left the story last time Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus were taking Jesus' broken, battered, pierced body. They were wrapping it in linen cloths, inlaid with spices, and taking it to a garden where there was this new tomb where it was going to be um, left. And now it's the beginning of the week, uh, and we find Mary Magdalene making her way to the tomb, presumably so that she can be close to Jesus, perhaps so that she can grieve in peace. I had a thought about that, that you're imagining them kind of cooped up in a room together and almost that sense of, I need to get out of here. I need to go and, and be on my own. Um we, we only read into it, but, you know, sad, afraid of reprisals, presumably, missing their friend, confused by events. So Mary, longing to be alone, um, decides to make her way to the garden where um, Jesus' tomb is. Although we'll have a question later about whether she is alone. That's a, that's <laughs> a wee question I had in my head. Um, but it is still dark, and when she gets there, the stone is not where it ought to be. And there yeah. we are. It is so beautiful, isn't it? Beauty, beauty in the midst of total sadness and awfulness. Now we know what's happening next. Mary didn't know what's happening next, but she's grieving, and maybe and maybe she didn't know what Nicodemus and Joseph had done on Friday as well. Uh-huh. She needed to go there and do the things you do when someone's died, and she had her spices with her, so maybe she didn't know what happened already. Um, but I, I love the words early in the first day of the week while it was still dark and 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 when we're grieving in the early stages of grief you know, we, we don't sleep it's hard to sleep and you wake early and that horrible moment when you wake up mm. and you remember mm. <laughs> you remember who's gone um so th- this story which is the story of hope for us as christians is embedded in the deepest sadness of life Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something there about a hope that doesn't 
know how it's going to happen. Um, you, you still do the next step that's in front of you uh-huh. and then see what's going to happen after that. That seems to be what's what's happening here. I, I love this as well because for me, the first day of the week points to the fact that we're back into creation again. This is almost creation. This is new creation. If, if I can be slightly crude, it's creation 2.0. It's, it, it's the new creation and there's just new possibility on the dawn of this day. We're going to probably come to some of the the Genesis connections later on, but we should bear in mind that John all the way through has been connecting with Genesis right from the very first words of John's gospel in the beginning. And we've met Jesus on lots of different days. And now this is a new week in creation. So it's a new possibility. And I, I just see that 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 possibility that that's here but but the possibility begins with an absence and just like the first creation it also begins with a darkness so genesis chapter one in the beginning it's dark here the new creation it's dark so there's an emptiness and there's a darkness and that's the beginning place for the new creation and and it is in a garden. I mean, yeah. let, let's talk about yeah. the garden. Um, so we're so we're in this garden that's close to the place where where he's been mm-hmm. crucified. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's in this new tomb, and that's quite significant, isn't it? Because there's the, the significance around the fact that, that there's no confusion. Yeah, about which tomb it was. Oh, yeah, from, yeah, yeah. From what I've read, it, there seemed to be a in these tombs there was a sort of um, vestibule or a <laughs> right. The, yeah, the place where you would lay the body when you first brought them wrapped, and then the then the person would decay and then the bones would be put into the jars and then there'd be an, another bit further back in the tomb, yes, where you, you placed mm-hmm. all... And this would be used for numerous people, so bodies would be coming in. And and so, therefore, it's important that later on there isn't confusion over whose bones are whose, or, but there's, there's no, nothing else has happened in this tomb. So when they arrive and he's not there... Um, and and for later on, isn't it really that the the bone? Is it, well, there was was bones further back. You know, was that him? I suppose I don't know. I'm just pontificating. But it is a new tomb, not been used because they would have been used for many people. Yeah. So so again, so it's, a, it's a, so there's a there's an emptiness and a darkness because it's a it's a garden of death, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, and I got. But this is the place where the newness is happening. So the, mm-hmm. the emptiness is the part of the new creation. It doesn't belong to the old. Creation. I think there's something really profound there that that Easter begins in our emptiness and our loss and in our questions. So there are some gospels, sometimes called the Gnostic gospels, which have Jesus appearing and and you actually see the moment of resurrection and all these kind of things. The gospels that the church has said these are the, the gospels that God has inspired begin with absence, and I think that's really profound. They begin with absence and questions, and then of course we've got a. Peter and the beloved disciple in a minute, they're going to start running. And what are they going to see? They're going to see absence as well. And actually, it's the absence which um, which causes the beloved disciple to believe. So there's something really profound for mm. me in that. Mm. And other than that, do you want to draw any more on the, on the garden theme? Yeah, so there is one other. Well, there's, there's, a, there's a couple, but I think, I find it fascinating that the original garden is a male and female encounter. Mm -hmm. And this is a male and female encounter, but it is one in which there is a sense of the presence of God. Um, There is a, there is an instruction not to touch, but, and, and, and this time uh, Mary uh, obeys, but 
that there is that intimacy. That oh, yes, beauty. I never thought about that. Yeah. An instruction not to touch. Yeah. Gosh, that's good. Uh, Although that's there's a bit controversial, that. Uh-huh. Because at the end of the chapter, Jesus invites Thomas to touch him. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I, 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 won, I wondered when I was preparing for this and, and reading it, did, did, is it really, if we're from the translation, is it really don't touch me? Or is it don't don't hang on to me? Don't don't cling on to me because this isn't this is yeah. this is not where you have to stay. You you need to go and tell everybody else, and I'm going to appear to them, and there's things to be done. You know, it's it's bigger than don't touch me. You know, like because you're a woman and I'm a man. No, it's it's, just, it's not about that. It's 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 about this isn't this is we're in a new place. Like you were saying, Neil, this is the the new creation. Where um, it's time to go. It's time to there's don't stay in that place of grieving yeah. and 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 hanging on to what i was or even what i am now because this is the start of the new thing i found that really helpful because you could just read it oh, don't, don't, don't touch me <laughs> and yeah back off uh, but it's not it's don't cling on yeah he doesn't do that with thomas uh-huh. and and uh-huh. so you could down a ridiculous route of because well, it's because it's a woman you're touching me but thomas can't uh-huh. and, and i don't think that's the situation it's no time, time to go it's um it's so we're not going to don't does he say don't hold me i am do not hold on to me yes so it's it's don't pull me back there's there's something new but i just love the the fact that the original genesis is adam and eve and that moves to a to a situation of conflict and and of division whereas this is one of intimacy and, and togetherness and shared understanding and if you I don't know how far we can push this, but in a sense, if Eve is the mother of us all on earth, then to some extent, Mary is the mother of us all in faith. There is a sense in mm-hmm. which she, it's the new Eve and the new Adam here. Yeah. I mean, it, I, we yeah. can't push it too far. But it's also the gardener. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that's really interesting that she thinks he's the gardener. Yeah. And and he's not, but he kind of is. Yeah, because he's the one who creates right? the garden. Uh-huh. There's a there's a lovely sermon from Nadia Boltzweber in which uh, she talks about the fact that Jesus must have had dirt under his fingernails at this point, uh, otherwise she never would have thought that it was the the gardener. Uh huh. Interesting. Do you not love as well? I mean, uh, there are three standout encounters. Maybe there are more, and I've forgotten. But of of just closeness of Jesus with women. One is the the woman at the well in John four. One mm-hmm. is uh, Mary of Bethany, who's a different Mary from this anointing. Jesus, and then this is Mary Magdalene. A uh, just, it's just another one of these beautiful encounters that Jesus has with women. Yeah, and then he says to her, "I'm going to my Father and your Father, mm. my God and your God. Everything has changed." And I think about the holding on as well, because the Holy Spirit is going to come for everyone. That is the relationship we have with Jesus now. It's not as it was when he was walking about for 30 plus years on earth it's changed and i mean i often, one of the questions children often ask i've been asked by children often is why didn't jesus stay around and then that that seems really appealing isn't it because you could have coffee and stuff a glass of wine but quite nice but um it's all changed it's not that relationship anymore we can all have god within us through this uh-huh it's a brilliant yeah. conversation and moment and I just, I, and he says her name. That that's when she knows it's him. I think we talked about the Easter podcast. Didn't we? I know it's that thing, isn't it? We're slightly ruined by that Graham Kendrick song, isn't it? Which one? 
Di 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 Master Mary, Mary, Master. Oh. And, you know, and I always want to sing it in that kind of slightly RP voice, and it's yeah. Oh, I wasn't thinking about that one at all. Well, sorry, you are now. So apologies for that. Um, everybody now is. Um, <laughs> we it, love Graham it, Kendrick. It, I do, and it might, to be honest, it might not even be a Graham, Graham Kendrick song. <laughs> it's just a very. It's, it was a song that was sung quite a lot when I was younger. Um, and I was caught by the fact that it's not just. It appears to not just be Mary because when she goes back to find Simon Peter. She says they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. So either she has gone and spoken to other people before she's found him and they've all decided it's a good idea to go and speak to Sam Peter or or I suppose the idea is that, and this would this would help in, in marrying the story up with the other Gospels, that, that some of the other women were with her. But she's, she's, she's picked out by John and named. Yeah, and I think that's partly as well to set. So although there's a we in it, it's interesting, isn't it, that although the Gospels, there are, there are some a difference of emphases, divergencies, that there's a lot they agree on. There's so much, actually. N.T. Wright has a really good um, section on this where he talks about one of the reasons you know an event is true is actually because people tell slightly different stories about it, um, that it's not a fabrication. Mm. Um, that, but, but this seems to suggest that the other women are there, who else are the we? Uh, mm-hmm. But John really wants us to focus on the relationship with Mary because by the time Mary is alone and weeping, it's definitely only her. And it's such a, oh, it's just such a intimate, as you've already said, gorgeous encounter, um, which, which um, yeah, just, yeah, Jen, just when you were talking about there, just when you said it's beautiful, you know, it's that that real moment there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's some, I know you've already mentioned Eve in the Garden of Eden, mm. but sometimes I've heard people uh, criti- very critical of Eve, like it's mm-hmm. all her fault, basically. I mean, the wounds might be saying that bluntly, but there is a, is a theology, isn't there, that it was Eve's fault? Oh, it's been uh, yeah, 2,000 say, years. Yeah, you've been quite nice about yeah. it. <laughs> uh, and then, so here we are, and hadn't thought about this until now, here we are, it's, it's the woman that stays behind, it's the woman that's alone, yeah. it's the woman uh, that discovers Jesus is alive. And he yeah. calls her name. And mm-hmm. somebody once said to me, every Easter church, every Sunday, the Sunday of Easter, Easter Sunday, it should always be a woman that starts the service. Mm. Um, and I think that it emphasizes that point if we do things like that, doesn't it? Iona Abbey have a thing um, where they do, they do an Easter week. Or I um, all of Iona. I mean, it's incredibly immersive. You do the Stations of the Cross, and you you have the betrayal, and all these things. It's called experiencing Easter. But often, what happens is in the Easter vigil service, there's a solo sung from the back of the the church uh, by a woman walking in candlelight, and um, and the song is called "The Lord of the Morning." He calls me the Lord of the morning. And it, it's exactly what you've just said there, Jane. It's a it's a moment where it's the woman who discovers. But it begins in the darkness. It begins in the emptiness. I almost wonder, just as I'm speaking as well, it's like Mary's the one who's prepared to go furthest into the pain mm. of the loss. She's not running away. She's going to go into the death. And because she does that, she's also the one who has the... I mean, John, the beloved disciple, is the first one to believe, at least according to this, version but she's the one who has the first encounter with the risen christ although we have to be careful with that that we don't elevate a certain way of grieving 
Okay. Uh-huh. In, yeah. in what you've said, because what the men are doing, and maybe the other women who who mm. don't seem to be here anymore, if there was a we, you know, we, yeah. <laughs> we came to the tomb together, they've gone off as well. Because we are all different, you know, some of us need to do stuff. And um, I, mean, I mean, when my dad died, my mum within like 15 minutes was moving things in the house that he didn't need anymore. Mm-hmm. But but that doesn't mean she wasn't grieving. It was just yeah, her way of yeah. of mm-hmm. grieving, and and so the men are grieving in their way. Maybe the other women are, and Mary, and Mary is in her way, and and the men and the men and the other women will meet Jesus again. It'll mm. just be a different place in time. So that this is the right place for Mary. Maybe then Mary was willing to go the right. Mary was well. It wasn't that Mary was willing to go to the right place. She just happened to be in that place, and that's for her where she had this brilliant encounter with Jesus and Jesus wanted it that way for some reason. Yeah, yeah, we shouldn't rank them, should we? You know, we no. shouldn't go, oh, Mary's the best, so she gets them first and, you know, it's a running race. It's almost doing, it's almost doing it to, to correct, a corrective to what you've talked about in terms of thinking about Eve. Yeah. Almost yeah. goes the opposite way, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, can we talk about the grave clothes? It's very specific mm. about the grave clothes, isn't it? So he saw strips of linen lying there. This is Simon Peter, um, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. What, why are we? Why are we? Why is John telling us this much information? Yeah, I wondered if it was to do with if it had been people who came and took it away, mm-hmm. which is what Mary thinks. Mm. Would you have bothered? You, you wouldn't. You'd have, you'd have ripped off the cloths. Yeah. You'd have taken the head cloth off and you'd have chopped them. Or, or would you have kept them? Or would taken them? Or, just have, or would you just have picked them stealing? up? If you just t- picked up the body in the cloths. I yes. wondered if there was a sense that the way they were lying looked like somebody had got out of bed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, or put them on the bed, make the bed, you know. Yeah. And making beds is very important, actually. I think it's one of the most important things you should do in a day. So. Make your bed. Well, that's true, actually. <laughs> Um, so, your mental health <laughs> it does the, uh, yeah because if yeah if it doesn't happen it, it signals mm-hmm. something doesn't it there's 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 sometimes the thought that um the cloths l- look like a body has moved through them in the same mm-hmm. way that jesus moves through the walls later oh, on that's nice i like mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. um it slightly doesn't quite fit with the fact that the head cloth is in a different place wrapped up but it but you could imagine that maybe the other cloths have have kind of settled. I, I don't know because they haven't been. There's definitely something, as you said, Jen. It's definitely not grave robbery that's happened here. So what uh-huh. is it? And there seems mm-hmm. to be something here. And it's all kind of muddling up in my head with the Turin shroud. Of course, yeah. I remember yeah. studying that in RE at school. Mm. <laughs> it's quite random. It was before it was disproved, I think. Um, so I'm kind of picturing that, but that, yeah, that, yeah. It just the it's just the fact that it's the beloved disciple again. There, there's something about his ability to love which makes him well one a faster runner, which is good. <laughs> a lot of running. A lot of running. <laughs> it's the only it's, there's not much running in the Bible. That's what Tom Wright said. Tom Wright in John for Everyone he says there's more running in this chapter than in all the other Gospels. Yes, that's right. <laughs> the, like every other chapter of the Gospel. The only other one is um, the Prodigal Son. Uh, where the father runs, uh, and he's not real. Okay, <laughs> yeah. in the story, yeah, but yeah, no. I as a runner, I love the fact that um, running is an Easter Day activity, and as a swimmer, you can enjoy the fact that it's uh, swimming is an Easter season activity. No, no, no. Wait, 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 Neil. Fiona is a runner now because yeah, she oh, started yeah, yeah. running yeah. again, and all and all you need to do to be a runner is run. 
Oh, thanks, guys. It encourages me to keep going. Yeah. So yes, it's the beloved disciple who runs. So he runs faster. So love makes yeah, you run faster. faster. And but it's there's good. something about loving opens you up to believing. I think mm-hmm. we've got mm-hmm. to be careful. Once it, I, I'm kind of slightly chastened, we can't rank people and say, "Oh, Mary's number one, beloved John, mm-hmm. disciple number two, Peter three, and then Thomas fourth. You know, you can't. Yeah, and uh, maybe John was just younger than Peter. I feel that often at part uh, run. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So they, they do encounter him um, and he then appears to them in mm-hmm. this room together uh, and he, he, there's this interesting, what, well, what's happening with, with, the, with, the, with the breathing of the Holy Spirit, the breathing on them, receiving the Holy Spirit? There's a lot about peace in what he speaks. Yeah, I love the peace moment. Um, mm. I, I just, it never ceases to amaze me how beautiful that moment is in church sometimes at the end of or we do at the Mm -hmm. end of communion we simply say peace be with you yeah uh it just there's something about it has a power always takes me back to that resurrection moment but yeah Mm -hmm. there's the breathing of the the holy spirit and And the sending out that comes with that yeah oh yeah 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 Mm -hmm. and it's the same day it's the evening Mm. i'd just like i'd like to put a fill in again here you know like what were they doing all afternoon like because the conversation must have been incredible. So you've get you get Mary like, I spoke to him. He told me not to hold on to him. He said that he's going to his father and our father. She, I've seen the Lord. And then Peter, Peter and John have been running, and maybe the other women who were there and talking about the grave clothes, and maybe we better have some dinner now. And then Jesus is there, <laughs> yeah, with them after all the conversation about what's what's going on. And where is he when? Where is he when he's not with them? Mm. What was he doing? Uh huh. Was he Has just he... doing some more gardening? Yeah. Um, <laughs> he says, "I am ascending to the Father," but we traditionally put that way after, don't we? Uh huh. Oh, he hasn't. Uh-huh. He's not doing that because he's still there, isn't he? Yeah. You know, was there other people he went to see? Uh huh. Oh yeah. Well, it, and it makes you reflect on you know that period between this account and the ascension. Hmm. Where you know there there was clearly a lot happened in in that hmm. time. Yeah, yeah. What that would have been like. I'm always fascinated by that. I mean, it doesn't happen in the right order, but there's you know that thing in Corinthians where it says he appeared to 500 people. Yes. And we never get that in the Gospels, but I yes. don't think it can happen here because I think it happens later. But what about all these other appearances? Uh-huh. Maybe uh-huh. He, maybe he went and saw some of the children that he knew. Maybe in the afternoon. Because this this is just the account of him, him appearing to the John and the disciples mm. who know this, but uh-huh. I, and there's the, there's also the Clopas Cleopas sorry Emmaus Emmaus Road mm, of yeah. course encounter as well mm-hmm. isn't there because yeah. that's all happening around about this time yeah because that that's always that funny bit isn't it where they rush to get back to Jerusalem and he's already there yeah yeah. Sort of appears behind them. That's in the middle. So, Miracle maker, yeah. isn't it? It's like, oh, so, yeah. <laughs> no. So I wonder if you know whether it's similar to the Emmaus encounters. Whether other encounters like that. Yeah. It, yeah. What? Well, how do? How does that fit with Pentecost? The fact that they receive the Holy Spirit. Yes, it's a strange one. And apparently, mm-hmm. when I, the stuff I was reading was, uh, I'm always very non-specific in what I read. I, mean, I should really yeah. take more note. Um, do you not just normally say N.T. right and that's it? No, no, it's, but it's not N.T. right. I've been making a point. It's the commentaries on um, the U Is version app. Wrong? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> <laughs> well, they see the U version app. If you log in and you pay a wee monthly fee, you get lots of commentaries. So I tend to sort of jo- go about f- from one to the other, and that, and I would really recommend that to people, by the way, who are doing any kind of um, 
engagement with the Bible with other people, but it really helps you prepare. Um, it's not just for ministers of word and sacrament, it's for all of us. But that one of the ones I was reading was that, that you know, we need to think about what this is because, yes, we know that at Pentecost the Holy Spirit come. That's when the Holy Spirit arrives. Um, and so there was three kind of things, like maybe it was just symbolic. They didn't really get the Holy Spirit. Jesus was just kind of doing it to show that this would happen, which I, I didn't really like very much. It seems a bit odd. And then a partial anointing. So, you know, there's more to come. It was mm. like a taster, a taster mm -hmm. meal. Mm -hmm. uh, and then um, it was a genuine anointing, um, mm -hmm. and and it was just the Holy Spirit will come to everybody. But they, and in some ways, I thought, well, that they've it's quite encouraging because otherwise they've got six weeks to wait of mm -hmm. not having the Holy mm -hmm. Spirit with them, and, and maybe mm -hmm. you know that's something we should explore more. But I think from my reading that 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 maybe has been that's been used sometimes to say that certain people have more Holy Spirit than others. Mm -hmm. um, just um, like a first and second anointing, and that you get people with particular callings in the church maybe in specific churches would would have a, a special anointing they're not not for everybody so because it's linked think, to yeah. forgiving sins yes yes yeah. mm -hmm. but we know from our previous conversations particularly john chapter six that we shouldn't quickly dismiss that which i think is one of the things i was taught as a teenager that there's some mm -hmm. theologies you should quickly dismiss mm-hmm Oh, the 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 bit about uh, the bread and Eating wine. Eating my John body. Chan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we had a big conversation about, yeah, about um, sacrament. Yeah. Did so you what, did you suggest Neil there might be a fourth option about John's inclusion of it? Oh, that he 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 tells it at a different time. So, because uh -huh. he mean, does do that quite a lot. We found that. Yes, I mean there is there is some controversy about this, but I I for example would believe that John deliberately tells the story of the cleansing of the temple at the beginning of his gospel because he's wanting to make a point about this new faith which moves beyond temple. Um, some people would say that it happens twice. I, I think it's well within the rules of ancient storytelling to be able to move timings in order to keep to the themes of, of, of what you're trying to say. And so this is John uh, bringing Pentecost into the whole experience of Easter to say that they are one and the same thing. And that ties in with the Mary conversation with Jesus when he says, don't hold on to me. Um, mm -hmm. you know, because this is the new thing. This isn't me physically being here. This is not the way it's going to be anymore. The And the Holy Spirit is is the way we're going to know God and connect with God, mm -hmm. which we need to remember when we tell people that you need to invite Jesus into your heart. And, because and it's Pentecost the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Mm -hmm. And Pentecost is a very specific outpouring of the Spirit on all who are present, mm -hmm. or those to those who respond. Yes, and a very public, public. Whereas this is a very private moment. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But this, but Pentecost. I'm just I'm just looking up Pentecost. Filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire separate to come out. Each of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak. So it's a, it's a it's a kind of outward thing, isn't it? Whereas this is an inward one. It's it's mm -hmm. forgiveness. Mm -hmm. But what does that mean? What do we mean by, mm. what does Jesus mean by, if you don't forgive them, they're not forgiven? It's yep. incredible authority, isn't it? It's yeah. astonishing authority. Mm -hmm. I I wonder, I, I was reflecting on this recently, I I had, can recall a number of times where people have come to me to talk about things that have gone wrong in their lives. And very often, well, predominantly, maybe because of the, the things to do with, with shame that, that we 
I think wrongly associated with sexuality above other things. It's often those, it's in that area. And what people are desperate to know is that they can still be part of God's story. And it's it's a great one of the great privilege of being in my role. And I don't think it's exclusive to ministers at all, but a people give you that is to be able to say just the words I believe you're forgiven mm. mm-hmm. and and that just lets people move on and say I'm not banished into outer darkness I don't need to give up on my faith there is a future for me mm. um, and I wonder the retain thing well I, I don't know how how you could responsibly do that forever I mean how could anybody say well no you're not forgiven yet but it is a fact that if people in some form of religious authority refuse to pronounce forgiveness, they are retained, the, the sins are retained. And I think then it becomes incumbent on, on people who are entrusted by the church to, to, to do the role of ministry, which I think is ultimately all of us, that, that we move to that place where we enable others to, to sense that forgiveness because of the harm that's caused by retaining. There's only one unforgivable sin, which is not one I think we deal with here. Yeah, yeah, which is about the denial of who yeah. Jesus is, isn't it? A rejection of the Spirit. Yeah. I feel you've given me something to go away and ponder there. Because when you, when you started that story, Neil, it, I, I, the immediate thought in my head was, but that's not what it's saying. It's not saying, you know, I believe you're forgiven. It's saying mm-hmm. you have mm-hmm. the power to forgive. But then when, when you, you went on to expound that there, that... That's really interesting. And where does, is it Paul in one of his letters that talks about um, we should confess our sins to each other? Yeah, it's, I think it's one John, G- isn't it? It's not James. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's in numerous Welcome places. Welcome to the Outspoken Bible. <laughs> Podcast where we struggle to find verses. Struggle to find verses from other parts of the Bible. James 5.16 Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. That was a verse I was thinking of. I think That's that really helpful, Neil, because to be honest, I was speaking at something recently and somebody came up to me and talked to me about the, the question of confession recently. And I, I sent her to look at First John and then afterwards was like, I don't know if that's really the verse mm. I was really meaning. That's why it was stuck in my head about First John. But there is a bit in First John in chapter yeah, one. Yeah, there is. It's about, about confessing sins to one another. Yeah, it is. It is. But it's, it's not as specific as that verse you've just read. No, no. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive our sins. That's 1 John yes, 1 verse it, 9. It's more about the practice of forgiveness yeah. itself, of mm-hmm. confession itself rather than yeah. confessing to one another. James 5, did you say? Yeah, 16, I think. Thank you. Very helpful. We'll all note that. Well, we shouldn't take that as wandering around telling everybody the things no. that we've done that we are unhappy with or we feel our sins. It's interesting. I was, was I listening to. What was the sacred podcast? Quite often listen to that. And I'd gone back to an early, yes, an early episode. It's from the Theos Think Tank. And I can't remember who she was interviewing. And it was a long ago. It was 2017. I, I can find it for the notes. It's fine. But the person she was talking to, who was an author, said that um, he'd written a book about about why believing in Jesus was emotionally um, still possible. Maybe, you know, it was like, I'll, I'll get the stuff for you. But anyway, just listen to the story. Um, but he was talking about how the word sin is so loaded in our culture um, with um, sexual images and other things about, and devils with horns that you have to use other words for sin. That's what he was uh, proposing. 
and it mm-hmm. was when the world when we're messed up it's and i've i've actually done that for years now without having heard mm-hmm. that other person say that but i wonder by the use of the word sin we get into like just when i was saying that about telling people about our sins it, it, it's so so that it's bigger than that isn't it it's not just about the things i've done wrong but talking to each other about the mess we find ourselves in but the things that are happening to us things that are ha- that ha- that behaviors i mm. have done or things that other people are doing or the world um you know environmentally or politically you know whatever so it's that when you use that word messed up things that are messed up that then then obviously we're going to talk about them yeah and it, it's subtle as well that I'm always reminded that in the next chapter, which we often talk about Jesus absolving Peter for having denied him, at no point is there a specific naming mm-hmm. or or forgiving, but we know that that's an encounter in which that yeah. that is happening. And mm-hmm. sometimes I think we have to feel that we have to list everything. Otherwise, if we forget something on the list. The, the other thing I'd want to add just to the conversation is that I go to someone as well. And I think that, there, there's something really important about all of us. I, I think, yes, I think there is something important about all of us having someone that we can, in a in a place which is circumscribed and safe, give the whole of ourselves and tell the whole story of ourselves and allow someone where that might be necessary to, to hear the forgiveness of God. Yeah, yeah. What's what's jumping out for me as well is just thinking. I, I've been quite aware of the the word unforgive, unforgivable mm. being used in mm. public discourse yeah. in yeah. in recent months, and you know whether that's around the political context or climate context. You know, there's quite a lot of talk about un- that that is unforgivable. Yeah. You know, it's it's used as a phrase, isn't it, quite easily. Um, and in 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 a space where there is a lot of um, hatred and and fighting in in discourse actually there is something deeply sacred about being uh vessels of forgiveness i suppose yeah 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 mm. yeah that that's a really interesting slant to put on what jesus is saying here mm-hmm. isn't it because mm-hmm. we do have power we we do mm-hmm. have power in our mm-hmm. by use of our words and actually to speak peace which is where we started mm. And um, can I move us on to talk about Thomas? Oh, we love Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Thomas. We do. So poor old Thomas. Do you think they, you know, they were waiting about evening? Is Thomas going to get here? Don't know what he's up to. And Jesus he's decides to appear at the point where he's not there. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yes. I'm so glad he did because it gives us a story, um, which gives us the place of, of, of doubt. I. I heard somebody once speak about the fact that Thomas must have been brave because everybody else is scared. They're they're uh, hidden in the upper room and he's the one who's brave enough to go out. Um, I, also, because he's called the twin, I've heard somebody say that he's the twin of us all. We're all Ooh. Thomas's twin. Yeah. And then the opposite of that, Neil, I've heard some, a number of people say, using this passage that Thomas wasn't there, see, you, you should be at the church service. <laughs> Or the prayer meeting because Thomas wasn't there and looked what happened to him. But it's just, just really, it's it's and and when I've read this again in preparation for this, I realised Jesus set up the next was yeah the next week Jesus sets up the same situation. It's mm-hmm. like a duplicate, mm-hmm. so that Thomas is there and he's able to speak to Thomas and Thomas is able to touch Jesus and then he then he says, um, "My Lord and my God." The first one is he the first one to confess. 
So out of that doubt, the doubt comes a glorious confession of who Jesus mm. is. And that's the complete opposite of saying, I see if you're not there, look what happens. But actually, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Jesus sorted it out the next week. I, I just had a thought when you were talking about that, triggered by that. So days and weeks are so important, we're, we're discovering in John, mm. that um, this is the start of a new creation. So creation starts in a week, seven days. And then the first Easter Sunday is the beginning of new creation. But But for Thomas, his new creation starts a week after that. So it points to the possibility that for all of us, the new creation week will happen at lots of different weeks Mm. later. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that this is an event which is continually repeating itself in the story of uh, people of faith. And and don't get me wrong, it doesn't mean we shouldn't be with God's family. We should be with God's family. That's (laughs) evident from Thomas being there the second week. Some some people might think I'm saying that. I'm not saying that. But I don't think we should browbeat people. (laughs) It's a kind of a different situation. It's it's (laughs) not really... Nobody's going to say, why were you not at church this week? Ah, because Thomas is my model of discipleship. Yes, yes, exactly. Although the thing that popped into my head was it was a twinned situation, wasn't it? Mm. It's a replication. Yeah. Oh, almost the twin. Interesting. Uh, Yeah, there he is. And uh, again, he gets a bit of a bad rap sometimes, I think, because of this this thing about, you know, he believes. Sorry, I'm looking for the verse. He needs to see. Because you've seen, you've believed. But one of the things I was reading, if this was Tom Wright, um, he was talking about the fact that, of course, John needed to see. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's one of the things we learn early on in the chapter. He saw and he believed is Mm -hmm. what it said. So actually, Thomas is not different in that sense. In fact, all the disciples... They all saw all the in order to believe yeah. in that yes. in that time. So yes. they were privileged to be in that yes. situation. It's truthful. Yes. Indeed. And I love the second part because Jesus is then saying, Blessed are those who believe without having seen. Because mm-hmm. it's like John 17, where Jesus prays for those who will believe through the ones you've given me. In other words, us. In the same way, this is a verse that points to us. So we are the ones who are going to see without or the ones who are going to believe without having seen. So thank you, Thomas. Yeah, well done, Thomas. Yeah, <laughs> we're with them. We're pro. Yeah. Great. Okay, anything else we want to say? There's a sort of sense that maybe the gospel could end at the end of this chapter. Yes, it's slightly similar to the actual ending at the end of chapter 21, doesn't mm-hmm. it? There's mm-hmm. more. There was more happened than was written down. Mm-hmm. I find that the, it's really interesting that signs are mentioned here. Mm-hmm. So there are six points in the gospel which are named as signs. In, particularly in the early part of the Gospels. So um, there is the, the healing of uh, the official son. There is a, probably the healing of the man at the pool that's referred to as a healing sign. There's the, the feeding of the, uh, the 5,000. There's um, Lazarus and the blind men are also referred to as signs. And of course, the first one, the, the water into wine. So there are six signs in the early part of the book, but we know that seven is the, is the moment of completion. So what is the seventh sign? And it seems to be pointing here that the seventh sign is the death and resurrection of Jesus. And there's a little hint of that back in John chapter two, where it says, you will be given the sign of the temple being broken down and in three days being lifted up. So it's almost like the word signs is bringing it all to completion and that the death, the death and resurrection is the seventh sign which leads us into belief. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, I think we're going to draw it to close for today. Obviously, next time is going to be our last uh, foray into Mm. John's Gospel for a while. We're going to be on John 21 next time. But before we uh, close up, 
any takeaways from what we've talked about? There's been loads. Yeah. Intimacy of the many encounter. I didn't expect us to have that conversation about forgiveness. Mm. Yes, I think that that for me is the unexpected one. I'm going to take away that. How do the things I say to people actually help them to know they're forgiven or forgivable? Mm -hmm. Even. even. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think I agree. Having a confidence in that. Mm. Having a confidence of I, I, we have something to speak Mm -hmm. into Mm -hmm. that in people. Lovely. Jen, have you got a gem for us? Yes. (laughs) My gem connects with Thomas, unsurprisingly, and also with Neil's Glovers Off, which we had earlier on, that we need to make spaces for doubt and questions in our gatherings around the Bible. And for Thomas, because he had that space to express his doubt, he was then he then was able later on to totally confess his love for Jesus and his ability and he wanted to follow Jesus. He said, My Lord and my God. So in a whatever group of people intergenerational young people children make space how many times have I said this but makes the basis for questions and doubts and and I think the reaction sometimes when somebody expresses a doubt um is to go oh no but you don't need to think that you can think this and to try and help them but let them say their doubt I was in a situation recently where with two older women in a church setting and one of the women she wouldn't have got wouldn't been somebody who'd have gone to house groups or would have been in situations to talk about the Bible and in a wee group time during a service she said I sometimes wonder if these stories are true now the reaction could have been of course they're true it's the Bible but we were able to let her talk about that and we talked about what is truth and literal truth and what things matter that are true and all the different things about that and it was and just because she was able to express that and I wondered had she ever been able to say that so make space for doubts and questions and don't be worried about them because God's got it Lovely. Thank you very much uh, to both of you. It's been really great. Next time we're on John chapter 21, so there will be fish frying on a fire. There'll be open water swimming. There'll be <laughs> it's just all the things that we love. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll be concluding our season on this. Although actually I was, I have had, and I'm just saying this, I've, I've not I've spoken to you in advance about this, you two, but I wondered about doing a final kind of summary mm. episode uh, reflecting on our year in John's Gospel, which we might, we might include. Uh, for this year um next time yep john 21 as ever of course we'd love to hear from you so that's outspoken at scottishbiblesociety.org or of course via social media and as ever again if you like what you hear then please recommend to other people uh, in your church in your community as many listeners do it's it's becoming apparent Uh, and if you're so inclined then you can give us a rate or a review on your podcast app thank you both again thank you listeners for listening see you next time No, not see you next time. People always say that and I get annoyed when it's in an audio format. We'll speak to you and hear from you next time. 